Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 458. He offered to buy it for her. He tried to pin her down with a promise of some future meeting. A dance at the Defers Mons. A dance at the Defers Mons? Dinner at the Golden Boar? The Tenpenny King was being performed tomorrow by Court Abelard's men. Individually, any of these things would have been fine, perhaps even charming, but taken together, they showed themselves as pure, white-knuckled desperation. He clutched at Denna as if he were a drowning man and she a plank of wood. He glared at me when she wasn't watching, and when Denna bid the two of us goodbye that evening, his face was drawn and white, as if he were already two days dead. The second burr was worse. After I'd been helping the mare court his lady for almost two span, Denna disappeared. No trace or word of warning. No note of farewell or apology. I waited for three hours at the livery, where we'd agreed to meet. After that, I went to her inn only to find that she had left with all her things the night before. I went to the park where we had taken lunch the previous day, then to a dozen other places where we'd made a habit of each other's company. It was near midnight by the time I took the lifts back to the top of the shear. Even then, some foolish part of me hoped she would greet me at the top, rushing into my arms again with her wild enthusiasm but she wasn't there. That night, I wrote no letter or song for Mellowin. The second day, I ghosted through Severn Low for hours, worried and wounded. Later that night in my rooms, I sweated and cursed and crumpled my way through twenty sheets of paper before I arrived at three brief, half-tolerable paragraphs, which I gave to the mayor to do with as he wished. The third day, my heart sat like a stone in my chest. I tried to finish the song I'd been writing for the mayor, but nothing worthwhile came of my efforts. For the first hour, the notes I played were leaden and lifeless. The second hour, they grew discordant and faltering. I pressed on until every sound my lute made grated like a knife against teeth. I finally let my poor, tortured lute fall silent, remembering something my father had said long ago. Songs choose their hours and their own season. When your tunes tin, there is a reason. The tone of a tune is your heart's metal, and there's no clean water from a muddy well. All you can do is let the slit settle and you'll sound sour as a broken bell. I lowered my lute into its case, knowing the truth of it. I needed a few days before I could productively return to courting Mellowin on the mayor's behalf. The work was too delicate to force or fake. On the other hand, I knew the mayor would not be pleased with the delay. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy, and... Would one of you like to read the rhymey bit? Yes, I would, because I want to talk about it. So, 
What his father says is, Songs choose their hour and their own season. When your tune's tin, there is a reason. The tone of a tune is your heart's metal, and there's no clear water from a muddy well. All you can do is let the silt settle, or you'll sound sour as a broken bell. So, obviously, rhyme and meter in that little, uh, you know, I think I'd call it a, a stanza. His father's not talking about love or fairies. His father's talking about music. And I think that the, the, the category to which all of those things fall under, the real reason why certain parts of this book are written in rhyme is because they all are talking about forms of magic. Being in love is a kind of magic thinking about music and art and, and how it moves us. That's a kind of magic. And then of course there's actual literal like fairies and stuff. Well, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like the, the spinning leaf. This sounds like the naming state. This sounds like the clear mind you have to have in order to, to name properly. Right. But you, I mean, and that, that state, that state of flow is perhaps not only necessary for generating like, you know, naming magic, but also for the magic of music. Yes, I. they're the same thing is what I'm getting at. Mm, I'm getting it that they are the different thing, but related. But either way, I think, can, is this all a thing that we can agree on, that magic is what makes the rhymes happen? I agree. I, I Okay, I would say it's not that, like, magic makes the rhymes happen, but when rhymes occur we're like bumping up against magic in some way. Yes. Yes. That is what I mean to say. Okay. Oh, look, we just did it. We just did it. Cause we're onto something here. That was not planned. That was unintentional, but it was correct. Now that we've talked about this thematic thing, I want to talk about something that I find humorous, which is that quote a chapter or two ago when the mayor was like, what are you going to need? I know that like poet, this poet guy needs some rotten apples. He can, he can huff like, you know, this other guy needs to, yeah, he only writes on a Tuesday. And Quoth is like, that's dumb bullshit for poets and poets are babies. I just need my loot and some paper. But Quoth needs his muse just as badly as any of those dorks do. His muse is Denna. And when Denna's not around to inspire him, he can't do shit. Well, here's something that I'm bothered by on this page. At the beginning of the page, he talks about how Denna and Jared, their relationship, such as it is, is coming to an end. And then when Denna disappears, Quoth's like, what did I do? This is about me. How come I can't find her? I'm so sad. When obviously she's had to disappear because she's had to cut Jared loose and he's powerful and she's at risk if she sticks around. It's not about Quoth here. How come he hasn't figured that out yet? How come he's he can't just be like, oh, you know, Denna had to leave for some time. I'm just going to chill. Like, I get that his muse is missing, but are you telling what hold, he's taking what, this hold personally? The hell, hold, 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 the sh- hold the shit up. You're telling me <laughs> that a self-involved lovesick teenager is having trouble looking outside himself? That is what I'm saying. And it sucks. <laughs> My God, how is this possible? Uh, yes, I too am thinking, Quoth, come on. She left because of this guy. Like, relax. She's going to come back in a bit. And, you know, he's not making it about him in the sense that he's like, she left because of me. Oh my God, where did she go? I can't find her. And I think that someone who is a little more distant and a little less emotionally involved than someone who's not 15 looks at this and goes, Quoth, you've seen this pattern of behavior before and you know what kind of men she tends to get involved with. She is... She's gone on the lamb for a little bit to like lose this guy's, you know, pursuit. 
That's all. She'll be back. When you're a teenager, every problem that you have is a world-ending problem that is cause for despair. Uh, and so in that sense, this feels totally authentic. Yes. And uh, as we'll learn in a couple pages, Brayden also leaves around this time. Brayden Ooh. also quits the city. So it may also be uh, that she's been called away with her patron. Hmm. And uh, so I th- we'll talk about this later, but I think it's very funny that Quoth basically invents a task to stall the mayor until Denna comes back. Mm-hmm. Until his muse returns. Yes. So again, we'll talk, maybe I should let this sit for a little while, but basically what Quoth does is he he wagers that Denna will be back in about a week. And so he asks for about a week from the mayor and convinces him to convinces the mayor that he can make a gram for him. Um, so he basically like is stalling, uh, gets access to Codicus's laboratory and then makes a gram for the mayor. Uh, this is proof that Codicus's gilder could be fake because you can make a gram for somebody else. Uh, and also, this means that the mayor has a gram. So perhaps I'm trying to think of like what is the plot reason for this hitch to happen? Uh, you know, in the grander scheme, why does why does like why why does Denna have to go away? Why does Quoth have to stall for a week and pick basically at random? Uh, I need to make a gram for you as the excuse, and I think the excuse needs to be that now the mayor has a gram. So in in the plot in the light the larger plot, the mayor has to have a gram in order to like become immune to sympathy or something like that for something to happen in book three or something to not happen in book three. Like I don't think this is just an incident that like fills some time. I think that this is important. Kvothe needs to have the knowledge to make a gram, and he has to get a gram to the mayor. I don't know what it means, but I'm also happy to wait for Rothfuss to tell me. That's right. Yes, as as am I. I've been like trying to get back into writing more regularly recently. And one of the things that I often struggle with is coming up with original and powerful uh, metaphors and similes. It's not as easy as Rothfuss makes it look when he writes awesome ones like, I pressed on until every sound my lute made grated like a knife against teeth. That is such a visceral image uh, that actually makes me like shudder a little bit because like it's you know it's it, to use the cliche metaphor it's like nails on chalkboard right it's so harsh and nasty feeling so uh, i read a great interview with john schwartzwelder the reclusive mind behind the best simpsons episodes and he had a really great piece of writing advice which was to Uh, For your first draft, just write any old crap with a ton of placeholders. Like basically don't try to, you know, when you're writing a Simpsons episode, don't try to write jokes. Just write joke here or, uh, you know, Marge says no to Homer because the hardest part of writing, he says, is like the first draft is writing something. But editing is much easier. Hmm. I disagree with him. (laughs) I think that the opposite is true. (laughs) What I'm saying is what I would do if I was trying to come up with great metaphors is I would write nails on a chalkboard and then like put an asterisk. And then later I would come back and only do a pass to like fix metaphors. So right. I wouldn't have but to worry about that. But that is the part that is hard. Like I would, you know, I would just sit at that and go, well, fuck, what do I say there? Like that doesn't, all that does is create a problem for future you. 
Yeah, but then Future You comes in with a different headspace and goes, okay, I'm only going to think of different versions of nails on a chalkboard in this two-hour period and then pick the best one. Right, but that would take eight hours and I would come up with nothing. Like, that is my point. Like, it's not as easy as I just need time to do it. It's as difficult as how do I say in a new way something that someone has said a million times before. Well, Jeremy, as the as the Dark Souls community likes to say, get good. No, getting good is hard. That's the <laughs> God damn it. I don't want to have to get good. I want to just be good. Uh, but getting uh, yeah. good is the worst part of any endeavor. <laughs> uh, what I deeply resent about about writing is that writing is hard. Having ideas is great. Having a perfect mind diamond of a story is an awesome feeling. But then having to like, translate that into words on a page that are good very difficult it's not fair i don't approve i like the concept of a mind diamond jordana i know sorry jeremy you just have to uh adapt the business structure uh and uh you become the narrative lead and then you outsource to writers so you give them the idea and then you say all right you return to me with uh, an actual, you know, with all the actual writing. I would source it to 16 underpaid word wordsmiths in the Philippines who will do it for a shiny penny a day. That's right. Do the Tom Clancy okay. thing. Then you get to be, you get to put your name on it uh, and then hide somewhere in the end paper that you used, I don't know, uh, whatever the equivalent of Code Mentor is, but for writing. And uh, then you're done. You can be like that guy who made the NFT of Chad McBoseman by uh, stealing it from some guy on uh, on like a online commission site, but for words. Just dreadful. Just dreadful. Any other notes on this page? I am out of notes. We've touched on just about everything from crackpot theories to why NFTs are bad. So I'm happy. Then we can be happy again tomorrow. On another episode of Page... Of the way. way. <laughs>